Good morning, fellow Gooners. Welcome to an episode of Canon Talk. I'm your host, Mona, and my co-host, Aiden. How's it, guys? Not much positivity at the moment. We thought last week was bad. This week, seemed it got a whole lot worse. You know, it's becoming a real trend now. You know, we're trying to have this kind of positive start. Even us doing the podcast, we're trying to come with a, you know, very positive outlook. But it's not like you, you come to a realization within a matter of 30, 35 <laughs> minutes that, you know, things are not going to go the way you were actually wanted to go. Because we came up against Wolves last weekend. And I mean, Wolves were, you know, almost like caught on the heels again quite early in the game. Arsenal looking positive, you know, knocking the ball about. And, and then going ahead on in the 21st minute when, you know, good play from David Luiz that managed to push up like a, almost like a wing back. Uh, whoops in across, uh, like I said, you know, controls, lays the ball on, on a plate almost like for Aubameyang to steer the ball into the net for his 50th goal for Arsenal. And I thought, you know, onwards and upwards from there. The, the awareness of Lacazette, I must say, was good. Eh? He, he didn't take, almost take a second look. He got the ball and he knew where Aubameyang was. And he was like, you know, this partnership can really be almost like uh, Ian Wright, Kevin Campbell, Dwight York, uh, Andy Cole. Just if they had the, the right support behind them. I mean, after going 1-0 up, you would think there would be a reaction from Arsenal and you think, OK, we're going to push on a second because Wolves this season... Because of the Europa League, haven't been the greatest side, you know, consistency-wise. But it seemed like Arsenal didn't get a lift. And it was like Wolves to get to the advantage. Because Wolves seemed like they were the home team eventually. And I think that, that goal we scored was our first shot in the game. And you know, that just to add on to what you were saying, you know, the infiltration then starts where, you know, instead of pushing, going for second, third, fourth goal... We didn't just start sitting back on one goal. And I'm thinking to myself, I mean, you're almost like you're leaving that door open for, you know, Wolves to, you know, get their foot in and almost like shove the door open. Because I thought to myself, you know, when you're already going, uh, you know, one or up, <clears throat> kind of having so, like total domination. But it's almost like we become, um, like, I would say, you know, almost like shooting shy when we get into that box. Then we try to do all sorts of, you know, crazy things. And it's not, you know, getting the more direct approach which is going to probably get us a goal. Because my take is, <clears throat> when we are playing in that, get your goals, you know, a, a nice goal cushion. Because, I mean, even at, at two or three, it's not even safe with Arsenal. But get yourself some sort of goal cushion. And then you can start knocking the ball about. But, I mean, we do this thing where we, we play this f- fancy, expensive football. But it's almost like, you know, it, it takes one, just one counter-attack or something like that, and then everything goes again, you know, awry. I think it comes to where everyone has a small club mentality mindset. I'm not sure if it's, you know, at Sevilla and Valencia, he wasn't expected to, if they got into the top four, amazing. And Arsenal's expectation, but it seems like Emre has a small club mentality that the moment Arsenal get their head, one or two goals, he kind of sits back and almost plays a negative brand of football, inviting the opposition back into the game. It doesn't always work against the Wolves, the Southampton, those type of teams. It work, that's why Emre does relatively well. Like, you can criticize him a bit, but he does relatively well against the bigger teams at the Emirates. But that's because, you know, Arsenal maybe play that a bit more, like a smaller club mentality where they get in front and kind of, you know, try to hold you out on a counter-attack. It, it works against the, the bigger teams because they leave gaps because they try to push on for to equalize and to you know get the winner. But against the smaller clubs, they come sit back at Arsenal and they know that there's a set piece or there's something 
in the air for them to to steal a goal. Because I mean, we are not giving our opponents really much to think about because everybody knows we are going to set up the same way. We're going to have the same sort of flaws again in defense. We are going to still give up, you know, maximum shots because I mean, at the moment we've going now through could be easily five or six games where we've been outshot every time in games, even games that we supposedly are winning or whatever. We are, uh, you know, being outshot like. Almost like five to like say for every one shot we have the opponent's having five. Yeah, Wolves had a field day at our goal, and what I don't get is in this game I don't know what he's thinking is, but how is he? How does he have to radar at so advanced in the diamond, almost like the central attacking middle? I understand maybe he's trying to play a pressing game because Wolves came kind of came with a three-four-three, so maybe we tried to press the the um, defenders, but. It was only Torreira that was pressing. The whole team was not pressing together. It doesn't work if just Torreira presses. You're going to leave gaps. So it's like, he's trying this 4-4-2 formation. It's not working. Why not go back to, you know, even on FIFA. I know that's for the FIFA guys out there. When things aren't working, you go back to that 4-2-3-1 formation, which just kind of gives you that stability and attacking prowess. I mean, getting Ouzel as your central attacking mid. And allowing Pepe to play out wide and you can attack with pace. But right now he's trying some sort of formation that's not working. Because, I mean, at the moment, <clears throat> when you see the, t- the team at the moment, and I mean, you can, you can sense the crowd that, that watches them. You also sense online the, 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 the you know, the way the, 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 almost like the ambience amongst the, the, the fans at the moment. It's something where there's no desire, you know, to kick on off the lead. Uh, you know, it's kind of a negative brand of football, as you said, now the small club mentality type of thing. And then also, it's not going to win over fans, it's just making it worse. And I mean, yes, we do have some sort of, you know, the minority, it's like a toxic fan base. But I mean, it's, it's getting to a point now where, you know, your, your 50-50 split is becoming something like 70-30. And, and who knows after today, if we, like, as we're still going to talk about the Leicester game later on, it could even be 80-20 again, the split with 80% wanting him out. So he's also not helping the situation because <clears throat> we've gone out. And this is a topic that I want to bring up that you also, that was a kind of key point that you brought up last week where you said, and it's it almost like a word pundit to say this, we still don't know what the best 11 is because it keeps on being mixed matched and tinkered with and whatever. And I mean, we just don't get that sort of balance that we need. And that is why the defense is all over the place. The mid- midfield is uh, ill-disciplined. And the, the, the front three or front two, it depends which formation, they become isolated and missing in games. And then they also start getting or catching the flag. Yeah, it's 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 becoming a real problem. There's no general in the midfield. We needed the Corey type of guy that can boss the midfield. Maybe not the Corey, but I, I actually like him. I know Watford, he's struggling a bit. But I like the way he plays. He gets in, he gets stuck, and he drives the team forward. Him and Kapui, they drive Watford forward. I mean, if you put those two maybe in the Arsenal midfield, maybe there'll be more dominance and you can get more out of Ouzel. I feel sorry for Guendouzi as well because he is trying so hard. And then you look at back to the game. Wolves' backline were walking the ball forward. There's nobody putting pressure on him. They just got the ball, move the ball forward, have space and able to knock the ball. And I mean, look, we had, <clears throat> I don't know through which TV network I was watching, could be NBC even. Um, they were doing this thing where it's like, whenever a Wolves player would have the ball, they have like almost like, you know, a, a, a 360 radius around the player. And every time 
easily the, from the ball, the man with the ball of Wolves. The Arsenal players were, were backing off about 10 feet away from him every time. So every time they were getting the ball, they could actually stop the ball, look where they want to play it, and there's still, as you said now, there's still no pressure coming. And also now going into the second half, the substitutions at times also made zero sense to Yes, me. poor. Poor substitution choices. Look, uh, it came into that lull in that, that second half, I don't know if you recall now, with where we almost like had control. Even at 1-0, as frustrating as it was, we were kind of controlling the game. And I mean, I, I thought to myself, okay, if that's another way, what we have, we hold like that. Then what does Emery do? He takes off Torreira, who's kind of marshalling things to a degree, since we had to now, you know, adjust our play. And he brings on Saka, who's going to give you a, a way more attacking option. But it, it, it ended up us having people like, you know, like Ozil and Ceballos and, and Saka going forward. But you had like Gwendozi having to defend for, what, three people or something like that in midfield. That, that guy's so, really working his socks off. So we were easily overrun then. Because then it was like one-way traffic afterwards. And then it was like, what, three minutes before that when Jimenez <coughs> scores the goal. But also, leading up to that even, it's another headache because leading up to the goal, um, you know, sorry that I'm getting so flustered, but, uh, you know, Sebayos goes over to talk to Emery. In that time, when he gets back onto the pitch, his job already has to mark Martinho. What does he do? He ball watches. Martinho runs off, uh, kind of runs off him. And then by the time <clears throat> uh, Sebayos wakes up, it's too late because then uh, Martinho is already, you know, looking up, get, getting position. And he ends up floating the ball over into the box. And our defense is at sixes and sevens. I mean, I think the ball just drops over Chambers and he, or he gets out jumped. He meant Socrates. He meant Socrates both lose the, the bearings, basically. And I mean, it was like an easy hit. It was not even like power. It was just a nod down and it was at 1-1. One, one. You know, there was literally two touches between the throwing cross and the goal. I mean, how, how does that happen at your home ground, you know, against the Wolves side? Two, two touches, a throw-in. Sebayo's individual header loses his man. Moutinho puts the ball over. Header, goal. Suddenly, you, you have pressure on you. And all the Arsenal crowds, not the the biggest of fans to, to go a goal down again. Like, you know, in, to, in a frustrating time for the for Wolves to score. The Emirates became a toxic environment. And you just could not see Arsenal coming back because... They were struggling already in the first half to create chances. There was no way they were going to score a second. And then, I mean, to, to infuriate the fans even more, he then brings off Tierney and he brings on Colosinac when you thought to yourself, OK, and you got Pepe on the bench. Pepe, yeah. To somehow, you know, inject some sort of pace or drive, you know, to chase this game. But it's almost like then he already switches into a, in, in, in a mental situation. And this is where we are people that, that have been also, you know, wanting Mourinho in and all that, it reminds me of that Mourinho's second stint, the, the last uh, part, like, you know, almost like end of days for him at Chelsea, and almost like his last period at United, where it was almost like, you know, games where, you, where the, the Old Trafford crowd were now hoping, you know, for to push on from a 1-1 to a 2-1 win for them. He would just, you know, shut up shop right there and that's it. And for me, this is how Emery is becoming at the moment. He's becoming so almost like nervous, cautious, or overly cautious, He's now, even home games, he's now just locking or, you know, shutting shop. And that is, it's becoming worrying. And I mean, that is just adding extra, extra pressure on him. Yeah, it's coming down to that small club mentality thing. Arsenal at the Emirates Stadium against Wolverhampton. You go there with your front three, 
Pepe or even Martinelli, like I said, Aubameyang, and you play Ozil behind them, and you kind of have that two protectors or you know, part of box-to-box guys with Torreira and Guendouzi behind Ozil, and you, sh- you rattle Wolves because we can't defend. You need to go and rattle Wolves, try to, like you say, smash one, smash two, smash three maybe. But it's like Arsenal have become such a cautious team that I don't see our identity of Arsenal Football Club shining through. Yes, under Arsene Wenger, we used to lose games. And yes, we were brittle. But you knew what Arsenal was about. You knew we were going to come there and attack. And yes, there were times we played beautiful football and didn't get the result. But now we're not getting the result and we don't even know what football we're playing anymore. And I mean, have you noticed also, I don't know if you picked up on it, look at Wolves in the beginning of the season when they had to now adjust the team to playing league, Europa League, and that, and, and they were struggling. I mean, they got knocks a hell of a lot in the beginning of the season when they had to now, you know, with the alternating uh, games. And now it's like they got that balance. That's why, you know, they got knocked out against uh, Villa in the League Cup when we drew 5-5 against uh, Liverpool. And I mean, they, everybody thought to themselves, they're going to, you know, probably be licking their wounds from that game. But I mean, they were... On the ball, I mean, it was just a matter of time before they were almost like setting us up. And I mean, in the end, they could have even won that game. Yes, they could have. And it was a jotter at the end, which had that mazy run when he just got, um, like, Leno kind of closed it in time. But it, it could have very well been 2-1. And I think that could have been the nail in the coffin. Because right now, I, I do strongly feel, and, you know, this could come back to bite me. Emery pulls through top four, we see Europa League, but I do think they need to make a decision to let Emery go and maybe start with someone new, Allegri, or they can maybe go with Freddy till the end of the season. Or how we can even try Kepper of Chelsea. You know, he made his own decision to not come off when, when uh, <laughs> so he wanted him to come off. Yeah, yeah but I mean, it's going to be now interesting to see how things pan out because, look, it's going to be also something now big with the board. And I mean, I'm sure... They do know. Look, Josh has been there the last few home games, even in the you know in the in the box, as well as Salnei and 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 uh, Edwin. And so, I think they do sense of frustration, and it's growing. And I mean that that groans are becoming also loud. As I said, it, it started out you know where everybody's yes we're giving him a chance of it, but now it's it's like you know you've given him that money for that investment and that uh, you've given you know whatever you can. I mean look. We have almost like of the best of everything as as fans as and as Arsenal Football Club itself, but I mean now it's, it's come to a point where he will have to produce. And I mean at the moment it's he's not producing. He's playing this overcautious brand of football, which is almost like turning away fans. And I mean, I had a friend message me the other day asking me, "Oh, uh, you're watching the Champions League?" It was I think Tuesday evening, and I said the way I've been put off watching Arsenal like in the league and that has put me so off. I mean I don't even feel like watching. You know, other teams play football because then you just get almost like envious and, and you see, oh, yeah, yeah, the Champions League anthem again and anything. You know, uh, it's still amounted to climb to even get even to the edges of everything with regards to the Champions League or even to think of it. Because at the moment, we already, there's already a gulf between fourth and fifth as it's like just opening up further as we we keep on messing up everybody else behind us. I'm like, we're slowing down everybody behind us. <laughs> that's already, uh, you know, it's. When, when, when people like Spurs in the market, it's a, it's a sort of run of form because, as I said, uh, three or four weeks back, their dip is not going to last forever. They are going to start eating their strides and then they're going to come past us because I think we still have a, a slight lead over them, but they're closing in fast. United keep on getting the odd results. I mean, they lost against Bournemouth, but 
they're also just chipping away on that lead and we're not doing anything. We expected, you know, even before that international break, you and I were still talking about, you know, just let us build on some sort of gap since there was a gap going to that last uh, break. Now we're approaching another break coming up now after the uh, list again. So, you know, you don't know how it's going to even pan out now because, because as it, as it uh, goes now, look, things have, have, have almost like not progressed, the opposite of that and the Emory at the moment, because one minute we're thinking top four, if you think of how we're doing our podcast pre-season, early part of the season, and now it's getting to a point where you're wondering if this man is still going to hold his job in 2019. For for me, speaking about how we've regressed under Emory, you look, I have some uh, a stat for you. Arsene Wenger's last 49 games versus Emory's first 49 games. Under Arsene Wenger, we won 27 times. Under Emre 25, under um, em- Wenger we lost 15, under Emre we lost 12, but our points is 88 with Wenger, it's 87 with Emre, and then goals scored is 95 versus 89 of Emre, and then my final stat is our goals conceded is 66 under Emre, and it was only 61 under Wenger. I mean, and this was a Wenger that, you know, was at the end of his tenure, yeah. And, you, you know, wasn't offering much more than he could anymore. And it still seems better than uh, Una Emre. Yeah. So, we yeah, switch our attention now to the Europa League tie, which was played on a Wednesday because of all the security issues in Portugal for the Thursday. Because I think there was about two other games being played in Portugal. That's how our game was shifted because of Vitoria's lower uh, seeding. So, the game had to be pushed now to the Wednesday. So, of course, Una Emery tries again a new formation, 3-4-2-1. What was your take on that? I, I just didn't think it worked at all. F- firstly, I want to say also, um, it's probably the closest we'll be at the moment to playing on a Champions League night. Um, <laughs> with regards to the formation, it just didn't work. I don't know why he's not going back to basics. Um, Vittoria was cutting us open. We, we were literally like boxes on the ropes. They smashed the post. They were literally opening us up. And I thought... We were we are in it for hiding. This formation was just, I think, too open. I think we are we we we're too brittle at the moment to try anything new. And that's why I said MA should go back to basics. Go that four two three one formation just to get some sort of foundation. It's almost like in anything in life, you know, when when you're struggling at something, even as a cricketer, as a batsman, if things are not working, go back to what used to work. And that four two three one used to work. So go for that. It's more. It gives you attack and defense, but this formation for me did not work at all. I mean, what he did not get is, and I mean, I thought he would not pick up on it. It was about the first five minutes or so that uh, Davidson and and Marcus Edwards they were just dinking the ball out past the the wingbacks, and I mean, Maitland Niles. There was no way he's gonna now catch up really, and uh, Tierney. Since it's now also like a new thing for him, also playing in that formation with us. Uh, dodgy squad at the moment. I mean, he was struggling even because, and then even besides that, what what, what uh, Edwards and, and um, that Davidson would also do, they'd be hugging the touchline, just waiting for the one of the midfielders to spray a ball, you know, in behind the defense because they knew the middle three that we had were not going to get to the ball. So it was like, like free reign for that guys to bomb down the flanks every time. And you could see we were struggling. Maitland Niles was never going to catch up to either of them. And, Tierney was almost like being left to his own devices there because nobody was also helping him or giving him the shout to watch, you know, what's going on. 
That's that's why I said this formation was like not we, we like we. This is a formation you try if your team's confident and you guys are on top of things and you're not trying trying various combinations out. But we're not at the moment. We need to go back to to something that offers us that st- defensive stability as well because right now teams are scoring like crazy fast. Us like we we almost like a goal continuing to happen every game. We were very lucky that we won two or three nil down in the first half. Martinez had to pull up some good saves for us in this game. Yeah, because I mean, I, I recall him pulling off two super saves from Edwards, as well as that the defender of his tops over. So, yeah, we then went into the second half. I mean, it also wasn't that exciting of a game because, you know, with the heavy rains also, there were, you know, everybody's touches were all over the place because, you know, just to get the ball, because I think there were two or three heavy downpours during the game. So, I mean, there were everybody was now struggling, ball control, stuff like that. Not trying to make uh, excuses like some people at the time about the rain being too wet <laughs> or whatever. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that being said, then we ended up getting Sevios injured on the, in the 54th minute. I think he, he tweaked his hamstring. He, I mean, he tried to battle on for about two minutes or so, but, I mean, you could see he had no running in him left anymore. So, I mean, when Dozier came on, other subs that came on during the course of the game, Saka then came on for Lacazette. Oh, Saka came off, yeah, for Lacazette. Lacazette, yeah. And then Willock came off for Torreira. But, I mean, again, you wonder what exactly are that subs going to... You know, sometimes you can see, you know, if you think that at early days of, of Emery when he was, uh, you know, putting these magic sub- substitutions of last season. And now it's like you just have this constant head scratches when you see what's going on. <laughs> I uh, I really know the feeling. I think last season, you know, it's almost like when you start a, a, a new sport or like you're like betting or something in the first the first few like you know initially it's that kind of would say luck that that or that decision you make pays off consistently, but now it's like every decision is making it you scratch your head and it backfires and that's starting to almost put more pressure on him I mean even yet you just scratch your head off the decision and Arsenal go and like that Chambers decision against Aston Villa he brought Chambers on you're thinking why are you doing that and then Arsenal and he kind of you know makes an impact for us to win the game but now it's, it's like he's making decisions and there's just no end outcome anymore it makes matters worse I mean we didn't manage to you know, it was like do a smash and grab there, or what I thought was smash and grab, when Mustafi nods in a, a free kick from Pepe in the 80th minute. And I think to myself, you know, right now it's 80th minute in a game in almost like terrible conditions. It's also a very drab tower game. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, you know, try to see this game out more like, you know, possession football. And, and you know, the <laughs> what I just thought, possession football, we go do the opposite. Yes. Give them ball control, and all of a sudden we on the back foot from that, about 81st or 82nd minute, right through till the end, and I mean, then it eventually, you know, as you said, it backfired on us. Uh, that, that, I can't believe that, that the guy that would dash you to eat a scissor kick against us, and the ball just beat everybody, there were like sixes and sevens in the box, once again, I mean, how do we concede? It was about, literally, as you said, sixes, it was literally seven people in our box, seven defenders in our box. <laughs> and we managed to screw that up. It's like, how did we not learn the week before to close up a result with that 5-5 game? Up 4-5 with literally seconds remaining. 
we give away a, a, a beautiful goal that Liverpool score. Uh, roll back one week later, a scissor kick is hit past us. And we dally-dally on the ball too much. Listen, like, okay, I have not, not watched that game again. I mean, I, I, there's now a lot of what, what's in like memory bank now. But just later on, like when we're done with the podcast, just have a look at that goal and you message me. That last goal, that, that equaliser of, of Vittoria, was that not again... Uh, Gwendozi and and and, and uh, Mustafi backing off the player that does this eventual scissor kick. I mean, I know there were other guys around there, but just have a look. I think they do the same error. They they back. I, I think it was Gwendozi who did the same error. Gwen, uh, Mustafi was the guy on the line who tried to hit the ball <laughs> out, but the ball went over his head. And you know, just, if, you don't, if you can't laugh, you're probably gonna have to cry. So I mean, you must anyway to see it out of No, it's, it's really bad. I mean, like. You know, like maybe a, a bit of a side note. Like for me on a on that on Wednesday, I had a really like shitty day at work, and you know it was one of those days. And you come back, you know, you make your time to watch Arsenal, and you're just hoping that it's gonna be a pick me up for you, and then they just eat you further into the ground. And you're like, oh, are you kidding me? It's it's moments like this that turn people to drink. I'm sure. <laughs> but it's really sad. I mean, like, and then you get fans that you know. With different time zones, make their sacrifices to to watch Arsenal, and they're giving up their time of, for example, sleeping that hour later, that ninety minutes later, all those little things. It, it adds up. You sacrifice a lot for Arsenal, and it just seems like there's nothing getting returned back at you. They're taking so much from us, and there's just nothing coming back to you as a fan at the moment. And yep. now we go to King Power, where Leicester are probably wiping their hands together. To play us, yeah, I mean tonight we take on uh, you know literally the high flyers of the league, and when you look at their their, their record, <laughs> I mean they've only lost to Liverpool, which is not a bad thing, and they only like lost almost, like against a runoff play against Man United in a game that you know they were almost like bossing for large periods of, of the game, so you know I don't know, I mean it's uh, I'm just checking out the last five games, it's four wins, one loss, um, the goals for. 27 goals against 8. Ours is goals for 16, goals against 15. Oh. And I mean, the key players are Vardy, of course. He's averaging like, I think, 7.2 per game. Uh, your favorite, uh, Madison, he's also 7.5, I think, per game. He's averaging like performance wise, even in games that they draw or lose. Uh, and then that Pereira, who's, I mean, I never took note of him until I think some weeks back. And, I mean, he's scary to watch when he's, you know, he's bombing down one minute. And when you think, okay, you, you got him on the counter, he's again breathing down your neck, willing to, like, you know, come in for a sliding tackle, take the ball off you at the back. The, Leicester addressed all the issues they had. Any problems they had, they bolstered their midfield when they lost um, Kante. I know they went through a transition phase, losing Kante and drink water. Then they got in Tillemans with Ndidi. They was kind of now stabilizing that part. They have their right back sorted, their left back sorted, and they sorted out um, Johnny. Johnny Evans actually has a dream now, playing with stability all over him. I'm sure if Johnny Evans had to play in the Arsenal side, I think he would have probably been torn apart, maybe. But it's almost like that Leicester side protects him, and he kind of just snaps out the danger, and he calls the shots. And then I feel that Madison is going to pull strings today, because Arsenal do not have a guy to pick up a number 10. 
they 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 don't they just allow players to um, roam free and lose runners. So I think he's gonna fall into the pocket so much today that Leicester are going to have a field there. And I, to be honest, we've been shipping gold at, at the King Power the past few seasons, and I see a three-one, three-nil um, loss today. And I'm I'm being genuinely, I can't see us winning. Because I mean, you know, at the moment the way Leicester set up the way Brendan Rodgers has not done. Look, he knows, uh, just to bring up that point you you not talked about, about Johnny Evans, he's not the quickest, but I mean, he's still a wily character. I mean, he knows exactly, he can read a game even without, you know, having blistering pace because just the point you brought up, he knows that Chilwell, that Soyon Chu and Pereira, they got the legs. So it's almost like they can play almost like at times a back four or even with a sweeper with that three in front of him. So, you know, they, as I said, Lissa are, 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 you know, well covered and I mean, they're going to be Tough, tough to break down because that Ndidi is also a rock in that midfield. That, that and that's also like the extra protection on their defense. So and I mean he's not somebody that's you know and that is my, my biggest fault with Arsenal at the moment. There's just no, especially midfield. There's also no discipline there because you've got like I say Torreira is confused, not knowing where Emery wants because Emery has now put this some like seed of doubt into his head or seed of I don't know what because he's now thinking or being pushed up in such a offensive position where clearly he's the type of guy that, you know, snuffs out the danger, breaks up play, you know, almost like the old Gilberto type of player. But I mean, I don't know what he's trying to do with him. And in a, against a team like that, and, and you, you go across that midfield also of, of um, Leicester, that as a Tielemans, and then they got that, that, that trickster, that Harvey uh, Barnes, who's got like, almost like this magic left foot. And I mean, he, anybody that's like, especially if it's going to be Chambers, right back, I mean, also Chambers not like the most agile player, and he's, he's he's tough going forward and whatever. But I mean, any guy with a bit of trickery in him, like especially like this Barnes guy, he's gonna put the you know to really crank up the heat on 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 Chambers and on the other side as well. That Ayos Perez, he's gonna either be playing out wide as a winger or because Brendan Rodgers, somebody he changes uh, games, you know, he does a lot of in-game tweaking, and I mean. You could see Ayers players almost like spearheading the attack with Vardy or just laying behind like as a, as a 10 or playing out as a winger because we're going to be like, like small swarm from all over, I think. You know, I just don't see a way forward in. And I think if Arsenal get uh, uh, hiding this game, I think this could, I think there should be Emre's, you know, axe. I, I'm not, and, and I'm not, I don't think this is a knee jerk reaction from us. I mean, we've given him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, but this is stemming from the last eight games of last season already. If you look back at the form from last season, when when it mattered, Emery choked. I don't know, he was a bit arrogant against Crystal Palace. And from that point, we almost didn't find our feet again after we lost that 3-2 at the Emirates to Crystal Palace. And it's just, we go not going anywhere. I know if, um, people might go back to Liverpool. With, you know, they were patient with Jurgen Klopp. But if you look at it with... Um, Kenny Dalglish never worked. They sacked him, and he was a legend at at Liverpool. Then they brought in Rodgers. He almost, you know, won them the title. But when it didn't work, they let him go. They brought in Klopp. His first season, he it was like kind of, you know, trying to find out where his strengths are, which we would have thought Emery would have done last season to see where his strengths are, where his weaknesses are. We come to the new season where Klopp eventually got his team into the top four. What does Emery do? It's like we regressed. Why spend £600 
so much on a player like Pepe, who's not really added any value to the team at the moment, then I would have rather spent that on a hardcore defensive midfielder or maybe someone to partner with um, Torreira and then sort out your back line because that's where the problem's stemming. Instead, we spend $75 million on a winger that he doesn't, or goes to 80 or more, but like on, on a winger that doesn't make any impact. When, when we were playing against Wolves, we need a goal. He doesn't bring him on. So what's happening? Because, I mean, my take is, uh, you know, like as a, as a fan and, and, you know, it was like, like podcasts and whatever, a person to see something like, I mean, look, it's not going to happen also overnight because we now see the sort of damage that's now happened, almost like domino effect through the team. But speaking for myself as an Arsenal fan, like a, like a diehard, I would like that the whole defense to be almost like overhauled and, even if you have to now start from scratch somehow with that with that defense, but you start a sort of you know almost like like a boulder, you have a solid foundation before you can even do whatever extras. But it's not like we end up having a balcony and we've got almost like a straw bottom type of thing, you know. So somehow we have to sort that out. With it, um, you know, maybe buying from within the league. I mean, I, I still I mean I'm hopping on about it. I know, but I mean I've told you a lot of times. I want us to. You know, you build that foundation with people that have either played Premier League, have Premier League experience, or they have that potential. They might not be at, say, the biggest clubs, but they have that potential to be something bigger. And, I mean, if you you, you could go that route, and then maybe bring one or two like, potential players from the championship as well. Because these are guys, when you look at say, the, the, the teams that are flying high in the championship, where you can think, okay, maybe this defender can come over and, and you know, do a job in a in Premier League team. Where, you know, yeah, has a lot to prove, you know, want to show that sort of desire that we need because at the moment, I think it's not like they, they don't have that sort of hunger that we need, you know, to go to a next level. So you have that, I'm like we bring in mediocrity at the back because, you know, if, if like, as much as I like them, I'm not like big fans, but as long as, as much as I like them, Socrates was already on his way out at, at the Dortmund. We take him. Uh, Lichtsteiner was already out of the door by uh, Juventus last season. We took him. Uh, David Luiz this season was was already out of the door by, by Chelsea because Lampard did not want to be there in his plans. That we we end up taking. It can't go on like it. And uh, same with like Kolasinac. That guy is a wing back or a winger. He's not anything to do with a left back. And yet we have somebody like that. And then from the winger days we had uh, Maitland Niles there. All right, as a standing, but you can see long term he, he was not going to be the answer. So why keep on keeping that? What we have right now. You know, what you mentioned is 100% true. I mean, Fergie built a lot of his champions, uh, champions winning sides from from buying within the Premier League. So taking a risk with Robin Van Persie, bringing him to um, propel them towards the 20th title. You look at Rio Ferdinand coming into Man United to sort out the problems. I mean, Valencia, I know he tapered off a bit the, the latter part of his career, but he he did do a job for United when he did come. They caused a lot of problems. You even look at Ashley Young now. Yes, he's a bit of a, you know, he's also a, a bit of a dead weight, I would say, there at United. But he also made him a bit of an impact coming through. And then you look at him signing the Andy Coles, the Dwight Yorks. It works in the Premier League. I mean, even Arsenal signing Sol Campbell when he came over to to us, he was he he made a massive difference. But what you mentioned now is also very key. Arsenal aren't buying sort after players really anymore. They buying players who who clubs don't want anymore. And it's it's very 
it's very difficult to almost get a player like that into your side to improve your side because already, you know, their career is winding down. You're not buying a sort of the player that everybody wanted. You got him in Arsenal and now he's giving your team a lift. Even we were lucky with Aubameyang to get him. Let's face it, if he didn't have that scuffle with Dortmund, would we have really got him? Yeah. Okay, so, you know, we end off there and now we're going to have some, you know, talking points. Um... I just want to first bring up a topic that's now been in the media in the last few days now because it's also now come out in the open way Torreira wants to have talks with Arsenal in next week because he's not happy with the situation. And I mean, uh, I see Milano now sniffing around there as well, like, you know, knowing that he's kind of disgruntled. Because I think he wants to play in his, like, you know, the Uruguay position or Sampdoria position here. And it's not like we are not doing it and the sort of demands that Emery is, is, is kind of pushing him to, I don't think it's right because he was brought in as a terrier. I mean, we saw what sort of performance he gave, you know, even last season. And almost like now he's become a shadow of a player, of that player. And he's almost like being overlooked constantly. And I mean, that's, I find it almost like kind of disrespectful to the player itself because we all know his qualities. And I mean, I don't know what your take is on that, like what's your, on that situation. Well, we're gonna lo- if we do lose to Reda, and it, in the start of the season, it was one of our biggest fears when that AC Milan rumours came out. For me, last season, he was, I don't remember, I gave you gave him with my um, choice uh, when we gave our ratings and stuff. He was my player of the season because he just added that bite and that, like you said, that Gilberto Silva-like, um, what can I say, presence in the midfield. Because he, he, he wasn't fancy, he wasn't trying your... You know, trying to be in the opposition's box. Eventually, when he became that type of role, that's when Arsenal's form started dropping. The more Emery started, I mean, the more Emery told to Reda to start pushing forward. I don't know if they told him to push forward, or if it's something that he did out of his own. But I'm sure it was a tactic of Emery's. But it just didn't work. And for me now, you're using a player who was shielding the defense as a attack-minded guy now almost. You, you're confusing him, and like you said, you can see he's out of favour with Emre at the moment. And if we don't get rid of Emre, we're going to lose players. And then we're going to lose Emre at the end of the season. We have players on their way out. And then it's going to be a whole rebuilding from scratch again. Yeah. And I mean, like now, other news also broke, I think, about yesterday was Xhaka um, withdrew himself from the squad for less than this evening. Like you said, like he's not in the set. So your right frame of mind. But I mean, I, I, from what I see and also what I've heard, I mean, he also looks like a man with about one big step already out of the door because with Euro 2020 coming around next year, he's going to probably want to have regular football. And with that toxicity between club and player or play, yeah, player and, and fans, I think that's also just going to, you know, fester. So... Like the way things are going, I mean, I, they, I have heard um, Newcastle, they've said they're interested, even if they're taking on like on a season loan with option to buy. And again, Milan have also put their feelers out with regards to Shaka. I think he would be a good fit for Milan. Maybe that type of football is a bit slower. It's a more physical and that might um, shoot Granit Shaka. And it's just a pity to see what's happening at the club now. I mean, it's something that started so bright. The season, and we said, I think you also mentioned, Emery got given the tools, he got given the money, they spent, but we went big on the Pepe, 
And another question I want to know, I wonder if the addition of Emre was it the Gazidis decision or whose real decision was that to bring in Una Emre as the Arsenal manager? I think it was Una Emre. I mean, look, that was at the point where Salnehi didn't really have that big of a say. And in a way, I think, you know, this is also where we, where a person kind of despises uh, Gazidis because he do he did all like these appointments and also dishing out contracts, even though in his mindset he was already I'm sure he was probably half year before, you know, all this everything with, with Wenger also or the appointment of Emery. I'm sure he already had his head turned by Milan before that. And I mean for him to make all these like key decisions where you're throwing a huge contract in the direction of Urzel, you bring in uh, you know, a coach that, that not people are show off, but since you Ivan Gazidis, we're not thinking, okay, fine, we as CEO, we're gonna, you know, back you fully. And then it's almost like he, he leaves and he doesn't like he leaves uh Sony, almost like with his pants down type of thing, where that guy is almost like, you know, I've left a kind of mess here. You can clear this all up. I mean, because I, for me, the way I said, look, the board will also have to show this string there. But I mean, it's almost like it's, it's, the, 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 the fraction between this whole the board thing. Also lies way deeper because it, it's not just Salni Edu and that, that, that Vinay guy. It, it's also down to you know the previous guard also that you know we all this kind of culminated to. Look, I think a decision has to be made. Six points were dropped this season from winning positions already, so that that says a lot that we could have been on twenty-one points, uh, and for me that says a lot that we threw points from winning positions, especially from 2-0 up twice, and then obviously now against Wolves. So let me just put uh, put uh, maybe a question for you, like, you know, what would you do? You Arsenal's in the board of directors, you make a decision. Do you sack Emre, and who do you go with, or do you put your trust in him till the end of the season? The problem is, if you put your trust in Emre now, you don't know how far that, that sort of catch-up thing is going to get, because you can't really, at the moment, the way things are going, uh, you don't see Leicester slipping up anytime, say, soon. And, and because, uh, look, for me, our eyes is like, falling at the moment on third and fourth. And at the moment, that is becoming, you know, you know, down in the horizon for us. So it's almost like we have to play serious sort of catch-up. And I just don't think, because, like, my personal take is he's already lost more than half of the dressing room. Because you can see there's no, you know, that, that sort of desire to play. And, uh, 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 you know, it always goes, uh, goes hand in hand with maybe them not understanding what he wants, him not also expressing what is his best 11. Also, what you were bringing up, what style of play are we actually going for and whatever. So, it's, you know, it was like, it's like a pressure cooker waiting to explode. So, it's terrible. I mean, it's... Uh, uh, I mean, I'm trying to be, you know, positive. And I mean, you know me. I'm always somebody. Also, like, yeah, okay. you know, through thick and thin, whether you know, win, lose, draw. I'm still gonna be rooting for them this afternoon. It's as frustrating as it can be, the way the situation is playing out. But you know, that's just it. And I also wanted to add another thing. I, like on YouTube yesterday or two days ago, there was like a, a video montage that also put up about. Aubameyang, he's 50 goals for Arsenal. And I mean, I had a look at it. And, it, and you know, the longer I was looking at it, I mean, I, I watched it like once or twice or off, you know, kind of off each other. 
One thing I do notice a hell of a lot, we miss Aaron Ramsey. Because yes. when I saw that amount of goals that Aubameyang was scoring, that maybe like the first 25, 30 goals even of his career, when you see the amount where every time Ramsey is linking up that midfield to the attack whole time, and we just don't, that is also like, look, as much as we have a problem in defence, I think we could still be a free-scoring team, but, you know, it's not working at the moment. But when you see that, I mean, uh, later on, maybe have a look at it also. Just watch that sort of link-up play of Ramsey throughout the game. Even when we're playing that, that game at, at uh, the Emirates against Spurs, where Bellerin was playing him in, who would have thought Aaron Ramsey was going to go for that pocket to you know to, to set him up? And then Ramsey then from the halfway line setting up Lacazette for the other goal again. I think Arsenal lost it there with Aaron Ramsey. I think they could have... Instead of Abatek not give Udal at contact, but they could have given something similar perhaps, or even sold off Udal and kept Ramsey. Because at the end of the day, I think Ramsey would have stayed at Arsenal. But then again, what did Emre have to say to, to Ramsey also that, you know, probably turned his head to decide, you know, maybe I should leave. So, it, it, you know, was it, what did Emre also play a part in Ramsey wanting to leave the club? No, because look, the way he was trying to get that, uh, was it Eva Banega in and you know people like that in and I was thinking to myself you've got a, almost like a gem right there so make use of him because you can see now you know you only miss something once it's gone type of thing and now that he's gone you can see where the, the big floor also lies in the team yeah, because, there's no link up here you're 100% right there's no link between the midfield and attack and I mean he, like when he played for Wales he, he played for Wales or for Arsenal, he had always that same sort of drive. He can add himself as a as an extra forward. He can add himself as a number 10. He can add himself even as a false nine at times if need be. But he is all like an all-action guy. And I mean, for me, it was like a slap in the face the way the club, you know, treated him also. Because for somebody that contributes so much to the team. And I mean, for me, he, like my take on, on him as a player... It was quite rare. We can actually count on, on your hand, maybe, how many times he say disappointed in a game. Because he normally would try, try, and try again. Yeah, I know you, you at times, you know, I, I take it back where I got frustrated with him. But you have to look at his tenacity and determination of how he tried to make things happen when the rest of the team were all hiding. So sometimes it looked like he was the one messing up, but he was the one trying. And just my final point is that tonight is going to show you if the guys really want to play for Emre. Because if they do, they will play their socks off to try to beat Leicester and, you know, try to at least close the gap. But if we get overrun by Leicester and you see no heart, that is when the answer is, like, it's going to answer you and say, nah, this team don't want to play for Emre anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's also going to come down to, you know, seeing what the board also do now at full time. Because, look, we're going to have now about a two-week break here after this. So... It's going to also be either a lot to think about, or we become pro, like proactive as a, like the board, and they you know make the decision and you know already have someone in the pipeline. So that because for me, what's going to be important, even whether win, lose, or draw today, they need to the board needs to come out and say what's the situation. Because for me, what what I find frustrating to all this is you already have that uh, toxicity between fans, players. Uh, the manager, and now it's like the board. You know, the board were like you know talking it big or talking it up before the season started. Josh was even talking in it, and now all of a sudden, all this thing is happening. All of them are just taking that one step backwards and uh, into the dark. So, 
you know, come out today also, even if it's a press conference either today at, at the club itself, at, at the Emirates, or you do it, say, tomorrow or something, but in the next day or two, give some sort of reaction, like how we're going to go forward from here. So, and that's also how I also want to end off the podcast. I mean, sorry that it can't be, you know, almost like way, way more upbeat, but I mean, I think that's also the mood going around fans and, and you know, the supporters in the crowd are also alike. So, hope you guys have a good weekend. I mean, we can also just hope how things go out this afternoon. But, you know, come on, you Gunners. Let's try our best to get the three points and hopefully kickstart our season from this point on. <laughs>